0: As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why are you mad? Why you mad? Why you All mad? Why you mad?
1: All right. Uh, hello, Brett Arnold. How are you?
0: Hey, Louisa. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing?
1: I'm really good. I am uh, so thrilled to have you on the podcast and to talk to you about this particular topic. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm like already coughing. Um, for people who haven't read the description or who, whatever, uh, don't already know Brett Arnold. Uh, Brett is doing one of these Jake episodes with me. <laughs> That's what I'm calling them now. Jake Um,
0: wow less th- you can call them the less than jake series
1: oh you're so smart i didn't even think of that i'm <laughs> that's so first, stupid my brain
0: just went yeah. there like the beautiful mind situation i
1: love it so you're in uh yeah you're in the less than jake series that's beautiful <laughs> so uh what's really funny is so i guess it's just background so brett for everyone in introduction um he is primarily really a film critic and a podcast host uh I think most podcasts you're involved with are around film, right? Yes. Uh specifically you host Roger and me. It's like a weekly movie review podcast. Yes.
0: It is an imitation Siskel and Ebert show that I do with the a- <laughs> name Mark Dusick from Chicago. So every Friday we have a new episode up where we talk about literally every movie out that Friday. So all new releases. So a couple weeks ago we talked about Magic Mike's Last Dance alongside Yeah. A- releases so that's yeah that's a that's the all-encompassing task I have been doing lately
1: well you fucking just answered my first question because I was like I need to know number one why are you out here watching Magic Mike movies (laughs) like what about them but we'll we'll revisit that I'm just gonna finish as the intro that like uh, so Brett uh, and I met because he is also a comedy fan and producer in New York City. So we met doing shows. He's been to like uh, sticker treat and stuff, and also supported some of my other shows. And um, he ha- he's had great shows throughout the years. Uh, different ones at Sidewalk Cafe. I forgot what that other blue place was called, but great shows oh, with great wow. comics
0: what was that place called it's it's name has changed like five times cody yes. island baby
1: that one yes exactly yeah. yeah that was a great show love the the boys you had with you oh, yeah. um
0: luke and tommy shout out
1: yeah so uh that's how i know brett and it's very funny because we tend to like mostly talk comedy stuff you know and uh, it was just so weird that you texted me out of the blue and you were <laughs> like have you seen magic mike's last dance And I swear to you that I was not trying to be funny because I was like, wait, is this related to the stripper movie? (laughs) Right, (laughs) yeah. I didn't even know that there was a third one because I didn't watch the first or the second one. You know what I mean? Yes. And so once you were like, yeah, it's the stripper movie, I was like, this is so fucking weird. Why would anybody ever think that I would want to watch a stripper movie? And uh, so I was like, "Why, why do you think, Brett? And so you gave me a good answer. And I was like, all right, well, Brett's never fucking reached out to specifically recommend a movie, so I'm going to watch this. And, well, I watched all three of them in a week. Blew my mind. (laughs) We're going to talk about them. But now let's return to this. So I guess my first question, now that I know that you probably just watched them all because you watch most movies, whether it's for podcasts or not. Yeah. But other than that, was there anything that interested you? About watching the first one, or did you go in there being like, ugh, this is gonna suck?
0: So I'm pretty sure I saw the first one in theaters specifically because it was a Steven Soderbergh movie, who is a director that I've always liked. Uh, People would probably know him most from, oh, sorry, my phone just started playing weird noises. Sorry, (laughs) giving you things to uh, to cut out already. I don't know what's going on. I'm not
1: cutting shit out, Brett.
0: Oh, great, it's all here um
1: oh not to (laughs) row
0: beautiful um so steven soderbergh uh Mm. was a filmmaker that i liked he the movies that he did that people like the most probably the oceans trilogy and stuff like that oh my god yeah he's done well he's done so many fucking things that's the thing Uh, Aaron Brockovich, traffic like soderbergh is just this iconic director from who i remember from growing up as like one of the guys who use whose name you see on a bunch of stuff and you're like like what is a director and you start learning about like how movies Holy work shit. so he was definitely like an early person i was interested in as like a young moviegoer i'm trying to think of the first one i saw it might have been like out of sight with George oh my Clooney god and he's also J-Lo. out of sight yeah he's out of sight he's uh uh aaron brokovich trafficked oceans 11 I'm trying to think of other big ones obviously the whole oceans trilogy but like since then He's been doing like these very what I would say like indie experimental things. Like he did the the girlfriend experience, which if you Mm -hmm. haven't seen that, that's very similar to Magic Mike in terms of being about like economics of selling your body and shit like that. And it literally stars porn star Sasha Grey, who not a great actress I will admit, but the girlfriend experience is very interesting. And that led to a TV series that was also produced by Soderbergh, that's also good. Um, So yeah, I've just been like in the tank for him, and then. He did, what did he do when I was in college? Contagion and hot, oh Haywire, side effects. He just is prolific. He's constantly making movies. Oh, my uh, God. You've uh, already insane. named, like,
1: five of my favorite movies. And yeah, right? I, I don't really until, like, I really didn't follow movies or specifically directors even yeah. until, like, the pandemic, right?
0: because yeah, right yeah, on.
1: like in my college years and stuff I think uh before the pandemic I had probably gone to the movie theater in New York City living here for 10 plus years three times
0: oh my god yeah I went three times in the past two days
1: I know exactly <laughs> it just was not but I was out here like I'm like I'm gonna watch open mics I guess <laughs> It's like no a yeah idiot so now <laughs> I am trying to fill in my time with more useful art than open mics um so I had no idea, but I'm surprised because, you know, we. I talked to someone else. I talked to a, a, a girl comic, a lady comic. I don't know. Didn't mean to be rude. Um, <laughs> you get it. A woman comic um, yeah. because she liked Heat. And we talked a couple of weeks ago. Fuck yeah. And yeah, and we wanted to like talk about the fact that um, Heat to us is like a romantic thriller, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess like the other side of a romantic comedy. And I have brought up Out of Sight as another example of those romantic Oh, absolutely.
0: Thrillers. So sexy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah.
1: And then Ocean's Eleven is like heist, but also so funny.
0: Yes. And it's very romantic. Like yes. once I, I just watched it on the plane uh, to Hawaii because I knew I was doing this podcast. And I was like, I haven't yeah. seen the Ocean's movies in a long time. Let me see if I could pull anything from there to talk about Magic Mike. And you just reminded me of how romantic yeah. it is because you realize at the end, the whole heist is just a fucking ruse so he could get his wife back. So he can and get the girl really, back, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, the, the heist is so irrelevant. And exactly. I just love that Soderbergh touch. I feel like that is a Soderbergh touch of, like, character-driven stuff that makes you, that makes the whatever the movie's about heightened because you care so much and it's so that emotional
1: because it has that emotional level yeah there are it's not really flat and just action for no reason like uh transformers or whatever it may be i don't know i I haven't seen them all sorry if that was rude of me about the transformers no Um. there's definitely
0: people film people who would say they're good and have like reasons why michael bay is a great filmmaker but i am not one of them i don't agree and i don't like those movies
1: I'm not gonna. Get, I'm gonna stay on the fence on this one. That one just yeah, came to mind there. as like it doesn't necessarily have depth, but it, I don't. know. I'm, I'm being unfair. I don't it. have
0: a cool take that I could text you and make you con- like convince you to watch them like I did with Magic Mike. No, it has any sort of reading that's interesting. But maybe there is, and someone will tweet at you about it. I don't
1: know. I doubt it. Uh, please make sure it's good if you reach out. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to watch a bunch of movies and then it's terrible. But uh, I actually, like, I was loved- so
0: delighted that you. Yeah watch these three movies that i recommended like what a that's not that's like such a task like three movies
1: oh my god i loved it <laughs> i so i watched the first two and then oh i forgot your little brag uh like you didn't even realize because you're like yeah the the new one is in the theater and then i like watched the first two really quickly and i go to buy tickets and it was like a oh, Tuesday, yeah. it and wasn't it didn't out even yet. come out till friday and it was like <laughs> god damn it i gotta wait till friday and then like two days before you're like so what did you think of the third one I'm Like Brett, i can't I can't see it until yeah. Friday. Film oh. critic <laughs> privilege showing. Yeah, I had no idea. Just I'm just forgot. like everyone must see this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, well I'm I... glad you got
0: that experience of like the anticipation though, because you got like, like I was so excited for this movie for like ever since it was announced. So yeah. I'm glad you at least got a couple days of that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, a feeling like I was waiting. I bought the tickets ahead of time. I also like, <laughs> uh, reconnected. Well, like. With a, I mean, not reconnected with a lady friend. I am already friends with this lady, sure. but I connected with her in a new way because I Ooh, didn't yeah. know that she liked the Magic Mike movies, and I just yes. like reached out and I was like, "Listen, do you want to go see the new Magic Mike movie?" And she just immediately wrote back, "Yes, when?" Uh, <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, hell yes!" So we went and we watched it like at 4 p.m. on the on the Friday or the Saturday. Was I great. am like so
0: nervous because I haven't heard your opinion yet and I don't well, know. If you're going to feel the way that most do about it, or if you're going to be on my wavelength about it.
1: Well, if I were going to make a soundbite about it, I would say, <laughs> yes. well, I'm going to throw you here under the bus with me before That's I throw fine. myself under the bus, because I loved that one of the things that you said that convinced me was like, this is one of the best trilogies ever made. Fuck Star Wars. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, Brett, I'm going to get you in trouble. But I love it. It's I love true. it. I feel it. And I watched it, and I agree. And um, <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched Star Wars trilogy, sorry, but I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably true. It um, is objectively. And, yeah, and then I like um, I watched all three. I went to see it with my friend. Who was had a wonderful time. And then I like have forced my entire family, my lover, <laughs> uh, everyone to watch specifically. XXL, yes, Magic Mike Two, masterpiece, the masterpiece yes. of the trilogy, the sure. masterpiece because I do think that one is a setup to two, and three is a wrap up of two. Yes, yes, two is the main story in my opinion. So I've gone around now equating it to Terminator Two, Godfather Two. <laughs> yeah, it's up there. It
0: definitely <laughs> is talked about in that in those terms among film people. Like it's it's really crazy. Because it's such a simple movie that, like, my wife, for example, has no fucking idea why I like these movies, and yeah. I've tried to explain it to her in the same terms I did with you, and you were convinced pretty quickly mm-hmm. after yeah, watching it. Yeah, and and Mandy, I think she's watched them. I'm not sure. We haven't like sat down and rewatched them since I've become obsessed with it. But yeah. like, she's just like, yeah, okay. Like, I I, th- I give her my thesis of like, no, this scene's really about like. You know, support like supporting your buddies as they <laughs> pursue their their artistic avenues. You know, yeah. And she's like, no, but like that's like a naked guy gyrating on a on a fridge. What are you talking about? Yeah. And I'm like, no, but it's like what? she's like, why are you crying? I'm like, no, it's that beautiful. Scene, With that that scene. Is the that
1: scene. That scene. Beautiful scene. She just in wants to the whole time. You should
0: smile. The like gas station attendant smile, and it's and, the most and, amazing and even reveal. Even more that. Than that.
1: Ah, it's beautiful. We have to talk about it and we can totally go out of order because you know what? I'm so
0: excited. Yeah.
1: Briefly for, we're going to, this is all spoilers. If you haven't watched them too bad, I just caught them and they're on HBO max. You can watch them. Um, do whatever you got to do to find them. Uh, but in, uh, I feel like I can't even jump to it now, but I'm just going to say this about that scene. If, um, what's interesting is double-sided. It's not just that, uh, big Dick Richie (laughs) goes in there (laughs) With the intent of just, like, using his art to make someone feel joy, even momentarily. But that he is going there, as you said, with the support of his buddies, right? Yeah. And the secondary goal, or, you know, I don't want to say it's second, but the uh, additional goal of finding himself as an artist. Because as he's going in there, he is saying to Mike, like... I'm not like you. I'm not a great dancer. I can't write my own routine. Like, I don't know how you did that. And then Mike is like, man, you just got to like feel it. You got to be yourself. You got to imagine what you would do if you were doing it for someone you love. (laughs) You know, like.
0: I'm going to start crying right now. I
1: know. So (laughs) he, this scene is like simultaneously about like loving your art, loving your audience, loving your peers who make art with you and supporting each other. Um, Like believing in yourself. Dude, I got hair like, goosebumps <laughs> like, Me too, literally
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> i like this is so fucking beautiful i had no idea um and yeah there's so, hiding
0: in these movies that you'd think are just like for your mom to go see on wine night with her friends totally, but like that's no why I there, it's in it. there
1: but yeah that's absolutely. why i just it uh it i thought it was in the same category as 50 shades of gray you know? Oh, sure.
0: Like, that's just pure, like, mom porn or whatever yeah, you call that. Or I don't like, know oh, what you call that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Or, you know, for example, I saw Hustlers. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. That was pretty good, though. I thought it was I, pretty good. I liked it. It's not it. Magic Mike level, though. But it's exactly. like. It exactly.
0: De- it delivers. I feel like it's trying to do what Magic Mike did about, like, economic anxieties and stuff. And, like, it is about that. But I... maybe it just pales because Magic Mike came first and, like, did it better. But, like, I do think Hustlers was all right. Um, I I think it it was alright, and I
1: want to say that I liked it more before I saw Magic Mike.
0: Yeah, I mean, I totally understand that, because it is doing a lot of what the first Magic Mike movie is doing, for sure. Well,
1: and I gotta say this, like, here's something that is not in any of the Magic Mike movies, and is Mm -hmm. in Hustlers, and what Hustlers is missing that is in Magic Mike, which is that... Um in Hustlers, um, for anyone that doesn't know, it's the Jennifer Lopez, right? It was Jennifer Lopez, yeah. I'm I'm bad with actors' names. And yeah, and Faith, Constance Wu, I think. Constance yeah. Wu, yeah. Uh, you know, so it's like a big cast of ladies, beautiful ladies. S- similar scenario where they're they are exotic dancers and they are under the thumb or control of some other person, right? Yeah. Um and the thing is that while they're in a similar situation where they are uh, having to face the economics of selling their body or access to their affection or anything like that Um, and having to pay someone else for their own labor, you know? Yes. The difference is Hustlers resolves it or tries to resolve it through empowerment found in revenge
0: and it's like a crime thriller right it's like they're doing like crimes right yeah i don't really remember the premise but yeah they stealing for somebody they get together
1: to steal the money from the rich guy that runs the club and and like basically oppresses them right got it so i guess you're supposed to find satisfaction in the fact that like they fuck over the rich guy yay yeah sure (laughs) you know and it's just um, it doesn't go, I guess, deep enough. Once you see Magic Mike, which is such a funny thing to say, because
0: it's it's ridiculous. I, I know, know. It's, not, <laughs> because... it's not ridiculous, but it sounds ridiculous. I, I know
1: <laughs> because Magic Mike uh, never once goes the revenge route. Okay, no. Magic Mike goes like, uh, and I guess because it has the benefit of three movies to give it an arc. Yeah. Also, it's something to credit it. I'm not saying the other movie is bad. It's just, this is why this one is deeper. The first one um, is that similar scenario as Hustlers. Uh, And I think, you know, from the very beginning, you get like a very multi-layered person with Mike. Yeah. In that we see that he, that dancing is a hustle. Just like all these other hustles he has. He does carpentry and like construction work. And uh, his real passionate dream is to make uh, custom furniture, right? Yes. Um, and whatever. He Mike mentions, Newell's
0: like... furniture business. Yeah, yeah exactly. He wants to make chairs specifically or whatever. Exactly. I forget. Yeah. So
1: he just like hustles all the time. and He's uh... got his little binder. His little yeah. binder of stuff <laughs> really that he cute. takes to the bank yeah. to try it's to get adorable. his loan, oh, but my. he doesn't have a good enough credit score, so they like and won't people give him don't a take his
0: people don't take sex work seriously, yeah. and that that really hurts him too. It's mm-hmm. it's such a deep movie. It sounds silly again, but like I there's know, so much going on it. in every scene. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, we promise you, we will convince you by the end of this. So, yeah. um, so it's interesting because you know at first you're kind of like oh. Uh, dancing is just another side hustle. His real dream is the furniture thing, right? Yeah. And so we go through all the problems of the first movie, but as we go through the problems of the first movie and dealing with the guy that, controls them, right? Dallas. Uh, uh, Dallas. Matthew McConaughey, who
0: I think tons of people were shocked when this movie came out to discover that he was not Magic Mike. I think people assumed that he was Magic Mike because he's like, was all over the trailers and stuff.
1: Totally, but he was, I guess, more famous? I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah, it's
0: just like, he's playing that, That, that like villain role, and like he's he's so fucking good. He's so good in this movie. So much better than like literally in, I mean, in Dallas Buyers Club, for example. He won an Oscar for that movie, which like is the more showy, Oscar y performance. Yeah. AIDS victim prosthetics and shit. But you know what? Like he gives such a better performance in Magic
1: Mike. Well, in this one, you also see sort of like, um, a veneer breakdown of like where he seems to be having fun making fun of himself the real person. Oh yeah. He's,
0: do- he's literally saying the whole time all right. All right. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So he's
1: doing like a character of himself that he 100%. feels like other people would do. Yeah. It's really Which is probably why,
0: with the performance rings so true. It's yeah. like this is just Matthew McConaughey being himself. That's what it it's, seems yeah, like. Yeah.
1: It's honestly. fucking perfect. And so and he's the bad guy so you still kind of like him but you know he's And when bad he's guy. doing the
0: dances teaching the kid he's fucking yeah good too of course he is totally, He's Matthew I mean Channing Tatum we'll get to this obviously mm-hmm. these movies are all about a star vehicle for Channing Tatum and it's amazing and someone on Letterboxd I forget who it was I think it was Caitlin Willow maybe but she wrote her like one line review of Magic Mike is just like people are going to talk about this movie in 50 years the way we talk about singing in the rain 50 years ago, yeah. as like an iconic musical that we all love and totally. watch and like makes us feel powerful emotionally. That and I totally me. agree. I and hate Channing Tatum. And I right? love this yes. one. Yes. <laughs> it's because they make you feel in that way no other movie yeah. can if they're done well. And mm-hmm. Channing Tatum is like proving himself to be this new or not new, uh, in fact, very old fashioned type of movie star who, like, remember when movie stars were fucking talented and like had to do have to have skills like fred Astaire dancing and shit Mm -hmm. like that so channing tatum here comes channing tatum with his actual stripper experience and his actual dancing experience using that i mean he used it in step up which is how he got his start yeah and um it's just so cool to see an actual director like steven soderbergh take this person who has these skills and like give him a vehicle to use them and then then also like it's Steven Soderbergh and he yeah. no one shoots movies like him. So the way these fucking dance sequences are shot in beautiful. these movies are just beautiful to look at and like yeah. dynamically cut. And it's just like this is what a big fucking musical number should look like in a, in a modern musical movie. And it's just amazing to me that people don't really clock these as modern musicals because I'm like to me these function on that level more than any actual like in the heights whatever musical west side absolutely. story like these sequences this shit are is better than hamilton
1: absolutely <laughs> really. like
0: those those musical numbers hit in that same way that a that an actual production stage that's not just a bunch of guys stripping on stage would yeah. it's amazing that they're able to take like the male body and what fucking channing tatum can do with that and like amazing. what other other people in the movie can do with that um But the way that they're filmed and like I just genuinely get such a thrill out of watching the dances and being like, how the fuck? I know. In the one. like how the yeah. fuck did he do that yeah like the dancing like the chair movements Dude, just,
1: it's mind-blowing my yeah. mom was like turning around looking at me going oh my god <laughs> do you know and and at first i'm like oh she's scandalized but then she's like do you know how hard that is
0: yes, <laughs> like, no it's just full yeah. like i'm impressed by the dedication yeah. i can't believe they got it on film and i'm just so mm-hmm. happy it's it's pure Absolutely. joy and it's i think it has to do with which we'll talk about, we talk about the third movie probably, Yeah. like just the pure joy of doing what you're good at and talented at, even if not for your benefit, for the audiences who will benefit from it. And right. I think that's what the third one is about in such well, an interesting way. But so yeah, let's go back to the, the first place. one. No, no, <laughs> yes, no, it's fine. Please.
1: People love that. Why are you mad? You're following. You're, you're out there with your red string and your math. Your <laughs> you're connecting it all. Okay. Yes. So what is your, and this connects to what you're saying is, why one is important is because mm-hmm. it sets all of this up in the sense that it's it like at first it's telling you uh, stripping, exotic dancing, sex work even is just another hustle. Right. Yes, it's, and they have
0: that character of his not girlfriend, who's yeah, decidedly who, not who his who love interest, who treats him and who treats, treats him like him shit.
1: Disposable. Yeah. yeah because he's, treats him oh.
0: like lesser than because he's a stripper, and watching exactly. him break her and can turn her to yeah. like his side of with his fucking skill on stage. That scene is also one of my favorite in the trilogy. It's just oh. so fucking good.
1: It's so sad though when he gets his little heart broken because he I know. Like, <laughs> realizes that he's just the man meat uh, for yeah. her, and then mm-hmm. and like and also like for people who haven't seen, she's like a a PhD student who like met them because she's doing her thesis on their behavior, you know. Yeah. As so, she's already like. A, smart and successful, but B, she's objectifying them. C, she connected with him on a personal sexual level. So he starts, to th- it's sort of the reverse of like, you know how they tell you don't fall in love with the stripper or the waitress or whatever because uh-huh. they're just yeah. pretending. He's the reverse of that, yep. where he fell in love with the scientist studying him. And yeah, she I haven't just even him.
0: considered that. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. as like
1: this, this uh, piece of meat. So like in the first yeah. one, the real thing that we learned in the first one, Brett, is that dancing for him it might be a hustle because he does do it to make money yeah but he loves to do it and he's good at it
0: it's very important and that it, it's that very those important things are very important yeah that's what
1: he figures out by the end of it right and he like yes. quits by the end so we kind of think this is the end of his dancing life and he's gonna go pursue his furniture thing but then we come back to two right now yes. I think we. I think is there anything else to say about one that sets up? Um, no. Ways? It's just that the
0: one one is the most like story driven, I guess, in terms of like this is a movie about post recession times mm. and like s- bodies commodification and economic anxiety and stuff like that. The whole movie, e- everything in the movie, you once you see it a million times, what I was struck by like the fifteenth time I watched it is like yeah. every scene in the movie is built on some sort of transaction, right? Like everyone Mm -hmm. turns into a hustler in this type of society. And it's it's something that you don't even notice because you're watching this amazing Soderbergh directed movie where you're just so fixated on that visual flair that like the first time I watched it, I had no, I didn't catch the economic anxiety stuff. Definitely didn't care about any of that. So like, I just, that's where I'm at with it now is like, this is a movie about so many things the transnational uh transactional nature of recession era stuff and totally
1: yeah to your point like uh you know how they say in america um you will never work a day in your life if you love what you do or however the fuck that goes yes and we all know i'm not from here shut up i got it wrong i got it um but i know that um it's not true right and yet Mm -hmm. this is like a, a really defining aspect of modern life The fact that we are constantly wrestling with both the desperation involved in I need a job and I need to make money to survive, but also the idea of enjoying the thing you do. And so then you like wrestle with like, if I do more of what I enjoy, then it seems like I would enjoy it more, but I'm then selling more of what I enjoy to customers who might devalue it, who might treat me badly for it, people who might oppress me or abuse me for it. Or do I do just the capitalist job that gets me money, let's say, be a banker or whatever the fuck, and then have no inner life of enjoyment? I'm interested
0: <laughs> like... to hear how you feel about where two starts then, right? Where, like, Mike well, is, yeah. Yes. I'm sure you were getting there, yes. I'm sure. I
1: hadn't even thought, I before we jump into that, I, yeah, as an arc, I thought it was interesting that you said that you think one is the most story-driven one. I guess you're right. It is, like, the most, like, on a Like, it has board. that,
0: like, protege thing going yeah, on with totally. the young like, guy. It has, yeah.
1: yeah, I see how it's, like, on a progressive line of, like... Because two, just
0: this road trip movie with but, with a bunch of stuff going on. But
1: but that, to me, is, yes. like, such a perfect, also, type oh, it is. arc. Yeah. Yeah, where sure. it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, we are literally starting where we, where we left off, like, uh, geographically. Yeah. And then we're going to go somewhere else and this road trip represents the the path of our career, our pursuit of our dreams, where our friendships went and didn't go, <laughs> you know, like Yeah. Fucking beautiful. It's just beautiful film. But your question was about what where he is at the um, beginning
0: of 2 because he basically has his business, right? And it's, it's doing well. Yeah. And he is like tricked at first into reappearing with the boys they but they tell him that dallas is dead which isn't true but dallas isn't in the movie um but dallas is which which is like good you don't want to see dallas in the movie he was no and he's not there
1: because he cheated well not he cheated but he basically abandoned the rest of the tampa kings the same way he abandoned mike by choosing the the new kid and like running away to work in europe with him
0: yeah, so I'm just fascinated what you thought of that specific dynamic of like, hmm, like he's being dragged back into it, but then he, yeah for like one last ride or whatever, like what is his, like, I'm interested in, to hear what you thought of his motivation, I guess. We don't have to talk about that. that no,
1: was- I I absolutely want to talk about it. And I am uh, actually kind of amazed that that's, you're right, we do watch movies the same way because uh, <laughs> I think the way this started is so significant, right? Yeah. Not just in the, like, road trip, like, literally, you know, like, I just watched Rat Race also. <laughs> so it's, like... A, that
0: was the, the movie I'd seen most in theaters at that, like, at that point in time. I saw it, yeah. like, three times. I thought it was hilarious.
1: I fucking <laughs> love Rat Race. Also yeah. very anti capitalists, Love it. But anyway. <laughs> John um, Cleese running around yeah. doing
0: bets on everything. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, But in Magic Mike XXL, so as you said, it opens up to he, like, did eventually achieve the things that we were imagining he was going to achieve at the end of one which was to open his furniture making business and we also assume that he's with brooke the sister of the kid who was like the romantic interest eventually in the first one right right? and for the first third of the movie he lets us assume that he's still with brooke and that the business is going really well yes but we learn also well first of all we see him having his small business and that's great. But then he's like stressed out in the first scene. Yeah. He's working with one of his employees who we later learn is his only employee. Yes. And the employee is asking him for health care. I don't know if yeah. you remember and that. And he can't
0: afford it yet. Yeah. He's it, like, not yet. Yeah. Go home. You can go, get a, go home. You don't have to work for the rest of the show. Yeah. yeah. Like, go to your family. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he
1: like, is like, I'm sorry, you know, once I get a few more clients and we have a little more money, then I'll be able to give you healthcare. So he's like, a good boss you know as far as that goes and he wants to do the he right wants thing to do it, but he yeah. can't yet yeah exactly he's still, so yeah.
0: he's not there yet it
1: shows us that he's not like flourishing he's like no. keeping it together right it and... shows the
0: fucking harsh reality of living your fucking what you think your dream is
1: exactly exactly yes. and the yes. harsh reality of like uh what it means to turn your dream into a small business Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like, a harsh reality like yeah, yeah this guy
0: needs fucking healthcare, and you have to exactly. pay for it like figure exactly. it out exactly
1: yeah so then um a- after he sends his worker home he keeps working by himself and he's like it's not to say he doesn't seem like he's enjoying it is that when the
0: ponies the first pony yes scene happens. <laughs> exactly
1: so he's like working late. chills
0: again just you, at the thought yes. of the of that scene and what it means yes you
1: get me right like he is yeah. working late it's not a <laughs> thrilled night you know it's like i have yeah. deadlines and i can't afford more help and i really have to do this right so he's, like, working hard, listening to the radio, and you hear the radio go, like, oh, uh, hip-hop and dance classics of today, whatever. And then all of a sudden, Pony comes on, and he, like, slowly starts, like, doing Which his- is an
0: iconic song for him, if you've seen Magic Mike, yes. The
1: first one. And not only yes. that, okay, but I think you and I talked about how, like, the music is fucking perfect in all oh, of yeah. these movies. Yes. And maybe it's, like, a close to our age bracket or, um, I don't know, whatever it may be, but, like, America- this is our music <laughs> like I'm yes. our, our age and what you said earlier about this being like a modern musical you're so correct because i don't get this shit like abba musicals and stuff i'm like why would oh yeah I... people
0: love mamma mia which are literally the most flat boring yeah stage musicals i've ever seen yeah i'm like very... why would i go see yeah.
1: that i not interesting Those movies all.
0: made like a billion dollars combined
1: probably. yeah it's this un- is for people <laughs> who grew up going to the club <laughs> listening yeah, to fucking hip-hop stations in the car <laughs> you know like
0: yes that's why that singing in the rain comparison is so fucking mm-hmm. perfect. It's like how we all joke about, well, when we're in retirement homes, they're going to be playing yeah. Tupac and shit. It's like and, the same and, like, equivalent my neck, of that.
1: My back. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's exactly that. So I can't imagine all of us at 80 gathered around watching, like, remember Magic Mike, like the last yeah. good movie musical? Like, uh-huh. yeah, fuck yeah.
1: Absolutely, man. The pony and scene. It, yeah. I fucking love it. So it's great. So he's like in his uh, studio or whatever, and he does like a whole fucking dance For himself. For himself. No audience. So important. Yeah. No audience. I think it might even be the only time in the entire series we see a solo dance. It's true. With no audience and nobody else in the
0: room. 100% correct. Yeah.
1: And so you're right that like they tricked him to come back, but he was in a position where he needed that trick. He wanted to come back. And so here's what's really important about that. As someone who mostly associates with comics is the most of the artists I know. Yeah. Uh, comics go through periods where they I want to say quit comedy you know what I mean like yeah. they go have a kid they move away somewhere else some shit happens COVID whatever and there is this reticence about coming back right like yeah. they're they're like if I come back I'm gonna be rusty or all my connections are out of touch I'm gonna have yes. to start all over and they make all these I don't want to say Ex- excuses <laughs> no but like you're totally right there it is excuses yeah.
0: but like they're they're not not correct to feel that way, but like yeah. it is just an excuse. It's just you are. We're all comfortable. Changing what you're doing is hard, yeah, right? It's and like hard, when you're exactly. when you're in your mode, it's like how when you exercise, when you're actually doing it every it's day, not so you bad. fucking you <laughs> want to. You like you are like excited it, yeah. to do it, and when you haven't started doing that yet, it's fucking impossible uh, to get yeah, yourself to uh-huh. do it. And you need that like three weeks or four weeks, whatever it is, to do it. I feel like it's the same thing there.
1: Totally. So like, imagine. Yeah. If um, the the Tampa Kings had called Magic Mike and had just straight up been like, yo, we are just passing through town on our way to doing some shit. Uh, we'd love to see you come hang out. Based on what I know of comics. He would have bailed. He would have bailed. And Never the reason he would have bailed is not even because of what we mentioned previously of like, how do I restart? Because that's not even in his mind yet. He would have bailed based on they're going to want to know what I've been doing. I'm going to have to like...
0: explain myself yeah Yeah.
1: explain myself some of them are going to be upset that i left them high and dry and i'm gonna have to own up to it uh there is like a bunch of fear associated with re-entering a world that you used to love and be a big part of
0: buddy i haven't Really run shows since the pandemic, and I feel exactly uh, what you're talking see? about. Yeah. See, <laughs> yes, you are
1: Magic yes. Mike in this example. <laughs> yes. And so we are just what We Magic Mike. <laughs> That's what this episode is going to be I called. I need that fucking
0: poster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need a, a shirt. You guys sell T shirts? That's a good
1: uh, Not yet, but it might be. <laughs> that's the name of the episode for sure but he yes. so they did trick him you know they call him and they're like man we're in tampa actually because dallas died so it's like a fucking funeral or whatever the fuck. he so shows he, up in his fucking
0: suit his or whatever suit, yeah <laughs> and then
1: it's like a real raunchy 80s rock party happening and full of like you imagine strippers sex workers of all kinds and he comes in with his suit they oh yeah there's in. that one
0: like lady in a astronaut helmet running around yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's so funny because he just like we just saw him being like the most straight laced we've ever seen him and then it's just like boom right back in. The girl with an
0: astronaut thing is like butting heads with him for no reason. (laughs) He's like, what the fuck is
1: this? Yeah. Yeah, and then Richie just drops his towel and picks him up and throws him in the pool, full outfit on and everything. That's right. And so uh they hang, blah blah blah. They explain that they're actually on their way to, to uh Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to do a convention that they all used to do pretty regularly as a group, right? So they part their part ways, and then the next morning, when the group is supposed to be departing together for the road trip, Magic Mike shows up and they're surprised. And we gradually learn that the reason he shows up is because he at some level, admitted to himself that he had not felt joy in anything he had done since leaving the Tampa Kings in the way that he did when he danced. Right. So
0: he does that did... come out during the amazing Molly scene? Or yes. When does that yeah. yeah okay. Exactly.
1: <laughs> that. Because that sounds first... like a
0: moment when emotional things. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Out. No, and it's like his. Re- well, I think it's like he subconsciously comes for that reason, but he doesn't. Yes. Like. Say it until the Molly happens, right. and he like then admits that oh he he proposed to Brooke and he did everything right and she still said no. So now we hear an echo of what happened with the PhD girl, right? Yep. Of like you're not you're you're not good enough for the dad and husband and house yeah shit. Um, you were
0: just my sex worker friend. Yeah, who exactly. Who I had a thing with or didn't, yeah.
1: So he goes on this road trip with them. And for the first time now, you know, because before in in the first movie, Magic Mike, it was all very much about making money, achieving goals, right? Capitalists, like, moving up in life, surviving. And then um, in the second one, this road trip, we learn they're all undertaking it purely for the love of the game, because yes. they all consider themselves to be like past their prime. This is the end. Dallas left them. Uh, a couple of, One of them has injuries, like back injuries. Yes. Um, and then when they take the molly, the most important thing that comes out of the molly is the uh, realization that A, they love what they do. But B, they were never really doing their own thing. They were doing what Dallas wanted them to do. Yeah, And they didn't really get to express the artistic voice in their dances and in their routines. And so, like, for example, Richie, obviously Richie's my favorite, <laughs> but Richie, Big Dick Richie, he, Dick Ritchie, he uh, was like, a, he did the fireman routine in the first one. And then we learned he's like terrified of fire, which we did learn in the first one. But <laughs> yeah. in the second one, they like followed up and he's like, yeah, no, I hate fire. I don't want to be a fireman. <laughs> and um. They kind of like ditch all of these very 80s, 90s routines that have like, you know, hair rock music and corny uh, stereotypes of what women like.
0: They're playing the hits. Yeah, exactly. They're playing to the audience. And I'll just want to say one second. Let's pin in in this. We'll talk about this when we talk about the third one, because the third one is the most meta and self-aware about what I'm about to say. Mm -hmm. But these movies have always been. Like, yes, they're about stripping and uh, the um, the community that is formed when watching art and all that stuff, but they are really writ large to me, like a metaphor in a way, each one, especially the third one, is a metaphor about the director, Steven Soderbergh, falling back in love with making movies. Yeah. And like, I just see that throughout really the third one. But there's definitely moments throughout the second one and, and the first one where it, All I could think is, like, this is just the director commenting on the industry, the movie industry Mm -hmm. specifically. And in Magic Mike XXL, that manifests in the Jada Pinkett scene by her saying that her service is a subscription service. It's it's basically... about street like it's like the streaming, streaming. era yeah. so like I'm trying to think of what that means for what Soderbergh is saying and then uh, Magic Mike 3 is all about the return to the theatrical exhibition wow. and like
1: I just am so no, blown like, away literally like literally theater. the third one yeah. very
0: literally is like let's put on a like show and theater. do a theater thing yeah. but then you realize there's this deep connection that uh Sonny Bunch a film writer wrote that he sent to me because he knows I've been talking about the movie in these terms he goes I actually took it further and I realized so Magic Mike Three, it only exists because the first two have become so popular that the people who run WB, who also owns HBO, were mm-hmm. like, "What if we gave you forty million bucks? Would you make <laughs> a Magic Mike Three for HBO Max, not okay. for theaters, for HBO Max?" So then you realize in the movie you're like, "Okay, so uh, Selma Hayek's name is Max, and she wants, t- and like the movie is ends up being." writ large, I think, if you want to do the reading that Sunny did, that like, it's a movie about doing art that you love for the sake of it. Doesn't matter if it's gonna be on HBO Max or theatrical. I do think that's what that movie ends up saying. And we'll talk about that when we get there. But I wanted to put a pin in it because what you were saying reminded me that like, these movies to me, yes, we've been saying the whole time, they're about art and community and stuff. And yes, that's true. But I think that's true. You can read them just as like, anyone who's ever been in a community or an art scene comedy for example can watch it and say this movie's about comedy and it totally totally is i totally agree and i just think it's really layered that soderbergh is commenting about his career and the third movie is definitely about his career with channing and how he how he and channing have worked together channing now yeah yeah, and channing's directed a movie channing put on that show for real Channing that's Tatum directed awesome. the live Magic Mike show that is now in Las Vegas and is like a thing people go to, wow. and that's what Magic Mike Three Ma- is let's about. Go watch it. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. Let's, uh, go let's on dip a weekend, into the Vegas. why you mad Patreon coffers, oh, and I'll jump into the new people, flesh coffers. We'll send go. us
1: some money on the Patreon. <laughs> we'll go do. We'll a take live acid review. and do a live show
0: <laughs> from the show.
1: <laughs> that would be so fucking cool. Well, man, that is so interesting because you know I definitely saw the. Um, industry critiques especially the third one i mean you did prime me because you told me like i feel like the third one specifically as producers will hit us and so did you feel uh, that yes when you it? and so okay. we'll, yeah. we will talk about that in a second but yeah, i totally and, interrupted I had, what you I like yeah. i don't remember but i just i want to respond to what you said which is like wow i had like not thought about how the second one because to me, the second one I guess was the least industry commentary one. But now I'm seeing I missed some of those things.
0: Well, yeah, the the streaming thing didn't hit me until like the fifth time I've seen it, and now I'm like, yeah. I need to watch it again. I, I meant to watch it again before this pod, I just didn't have time. Oh my god! Because and I'm trying to figure out like what is the big bigger picture statement that I'm missing? Yeah. Because I definitely caught that like he's commenting on how the industry is changing, and yeah, uh, but
1: but. And- okay but it's weird because okay let's say we take it as you're saying so uh when i watched it a few times (laughs) uh (laughs) jada pinkett smith's character uh so two of my favorite characters were actually jada pinkett smith and andy mcdowell
0: oh they're fucking great
1: yeah and jd jd (laughs) jada pinkett smith um, she plays sort of like a madam, you would say, right? Yeah. But she specifically is one who came up through the ranks, right? We learned th- from her connection to Mike yeah. that they were both dancers once upon a time and that's how they know each other and also lovers, it seems like, and live together or something like that. And she eventually ended up kind of doing, I guess, like what the Hustlers movie implies of like taking over for the previous boss yeah. And making this mansion in South Carolina a private club where people pay subscriptions, like monthly access, to yeah. have access all the time to come to this house where there are all kinds of different um, performances per- happening. It sounds like
0: Netflix to me. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: As soon as I saw it, Brett, I was like, I want to be her. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, yeah. This is what I would do <laughs> is like have the house where it's like, yeah, everybody come whenever you want. I don't want to know about like, Fucking I don't want to put on a play that's like scheduled and all this stuff. I was like, this yeah. is the kind of producer. On demand entertainment. That's how <laughs> yeah.
0: that's how it works now. It's I know. definitely a commentary on that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But I also want to say that it's um I don't know if it's like a critique of it though, because it was very much saying that
0: celebratory.
1: Yeah, yeah. what they do, what she did, she did well. What those dancers yes. did, they did well. Yes. Uh, it was giving them a nod for the personalized attention. For the um, ability to cater to specific audiences, so in a way, it is a criticism of these streaming things, but it's not a negative one, I guess. Yes,
0: I I think it's. I think it's that's so interesting because I'm trying to think if both these things can be true. Like, can he be lambasting the state of the industry while also celebrating it? Like, maybe, but like, I just think it's the specifics of this is a movie. Well, the I would say the first one. I mean, the second one. Is definitely a movie that's celebrating like female empowerment yeah. and desire in a male dominated world that we never really see. And I think Absolutely. the second one is very specifically about that because the first one didn't center the women, maybe. Yeah. And like that's maybe probably a criticism they got, which is something that they literally make a meta joke about in the third one. Like, yeah. you have to have a female at the center. What is it? If you don't, you're a misogynist. Like, that's why they have <laughs> yeah. the, the woman in the center of the play yeah. or whatever. So, like, I just think. They're so brilliant and meta. Every single choice means something. I'm just convinced. Absolutely. You
1: know? <laughs> absolutely. So in the so, hmm, so for the second one, we already talked about Richie's dance thing, which happens after, like, as we were saying. Yeah, they, they do to, Molly
0: and they decide. The
1: revelation of, like, we yeah. need to make our new acts, that, especially if this is our last time. We actually have to put it all out there. And, again, this is something that I want to point out is, like, a, one of the central uh, tensions that i loved which i see in artists specifically in comics all the time but in all kinds of artists which is the tension between what your job is right which mm-hmm. is to provide a good experience for this audience and then what your art does for you personally right so yes. serving yourself or serving your audience and it is something that has to be like so perfectly balanced because if you come in to a room and you treat the audience like, like I think that was one of the points of Jada Pinkett Smith's character's whole uh institution or whatever, is that the way that it was structured made it so that none of the performers there ever were like, look, notice they were not on platforms. They were mm-hmm. not on stages. They were on a level ground. They were
0: on this it, with wow. the audiences. Yes. Yeah. They sure fucking were. Yeah. And those, that sequence is all like the perfect, just, like the fucking really oh. hardcore lap dances that are like Amazing. basically fucking on yeah. stage. Yeah. Again,
1: <laughs> goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking fantastic. So yeah. I, I think, you know, it is um, showing us that uh, this like, the direct, uh, what do you say? The Oh, like the ta- understanding that you are not a good artist if you don't respect the room and approach the room on their level and provide them with what they want while yeah. maintaining your integrity as an artist Yeah, is the most important thing. So when we say maintaining your integrity as an artist, that's the part where you reserve what is important to me, what part of my art I do for myself. But you never walk in and turn on a room and act like they're there to in the service of you and your art. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I, that's what I fucking loved about that whole entire sequence of going there because you even see this, like, so the Tampa Kings guys get invited in, they go from room to room. They see a few examples of their um, performances there. And then you see the scene, Brett, which is very familiar to us, which is like the green room post-show scene and they're all mixing with the dancers there. And you can see they're having like intense, respectful conversations with each other as peers that are like, how did you think of this? And wow, that, that was Whoa, amazing. Like Complimenting each other. Specifically,
0: the thing that made me write down, like the thing I keep saying about yeah. like, this is a movie about, Egging on your bros who are pursuing their artistic avenues. Yeah. It's that conversation with Donald Glover, who's like, Yeah, I have a mixtape. I'm trying to do like a rap, rap career thing. And like, he's like, Yeah, man, that's fucking sick. Like, put it out there. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, Put, he's just fucking cheering him on. And I'm like, Yeah. God, this movie's so nice.
1: Dude, but then the Donald Glover character, very surprising addition to the Magic Mike universe.
0: Yeah, right? You did not expect that, probably. Like a Wayne Brady, (laughs) whose line is it anyway, style (laughs) song.
1: Exactly. But, I had to respect that it's for the soft ladies out there, like the girl yeah, that he's to. It. People love yeah, it. Yeah, the girl that he's to I, was like a little shy wallflower girl.
0: I always want to clown on that scene, but I can't. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. It it's works just not for, for the us, people. Brett. It works for yeah. exactly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. It's
1: just it's not for us. But as producers, we understand the need, the need for the, the Donald room. Glover. Yeah, yes, absolutely, exactly. Yes. So yes. then I'm like, there's producer shit throughout this whole thing. All right, but then in the car, so Jade Pinken Smith gives them a car because. There was a car accident, all the stuff, whatever, watch the movie. So they end up getting a car from Jada Pinkett Smith. She also gives them a driver, Donald Glover, to drive them to the next place. Uh, So Donald Glover in the car, he tells them. He's also, like you said, he's got another, quote, side hustle or another thing he's into, which is his music and putting out tracks, we assume on SoundCloud, right? (laughs) Yes, of course. Yeah, and he uh, then he says, like, yeah, but I gotta be honest. Like, I'm not that concerned about like selling my music because even if I became like a millionaire rapper or singer, I would probably still do this. And they're in like uh, Ken in the front seat is like, what really? Because Ken is the one who secretly really wanted to be an actor and he never yes. made it. Yes. So he has always be- held on. That's the not idea hi- exactly that Act. if he became an actor, he would not do the stripper thing anymore. But here's Donald Glover telling him Goosebumps. even if yeah yeah even if i made it like why would i give up this wonderful thing that i'm good at i meet ladies i make women happy women who are in situations where their husbands don't listen to them don't know how to touch them and i listen to them and all we got to do is listen and talk back to them and like yeah you know and i make money and it's great and so there is this like uh he does represent a sort of Uh, an encouragement on the path for them of Mm -hmm. what they're doing where it's like this seems like the end because you didn't get rich off of it but it's not the end because you see the enjoyment the camaraderie the joy you can bring other people the uh, artistic satisfaction you can find yourself in taking a fucking weekend to go with your boys to do this dance (laughs) you know yes
0: and in the process of putting on this show for themselves that they write and create and isn't them putting on the work of somebody else, which is also, yes. this is how we got to the industry commentary. Mm-hmm. Because that is what I was, that's what we're talking about. And that's totally. made me think of like a director not wanting to do what the studio wants them to do and shit like
1: that. Absolutely. Or so, a comic not wanting to take notes. Yeah. Um, or have their the special edited by the network, right? To like 100%. change their jokes. Totally. 100%. So it's really interesting because I hadn't even really realized the very logical jump from two to three based on what you just said. Which yeah. is that if the revelation in two was that they were more than man meat and they could actually be creative and have a talent and have a voice in what they do, then the next step was further developing that voice in a professional setting. And yes. that's where we see Magic Mike join up with a rich lady. to sama Hayek, yes. sama Hayek to produce a play in London at a classic, like, Victorian theater. Yes. Right?
0: It's so, so meta. Like, these interrupt. movies are all tell about putting me. on what a do you, show. What
1: do you want to say about Three? Where do you want to start? What's the deal? Well,
0: tell me. Did you love it?
1: I loved it. Okay, so...
0: I just had no idea. Most people are like, "Yeah, it's my least." Fa- it's definitely my least. Fa- I can't even say it's my oh, least favorite. I love I, them it's all so much. Least. I'm not going to say that. I, I, I love them all. I don't know equally. I think two's a little better than the the rest, but I love them all. I don't want to say it's the worst. But the general reaction is people were disappointed. People who loved, and I get why. Imagine expecting because it's not two, Magic Mike dancing yes, all this. Imagine time. expecting tr- uh, yeah. what you got from XXL and getting this movie. Like it's not that movie, and I love it because it's not that movie. It is definitely a movie that exists because a the studio wanted it to exist and they gave them money to do it and that's definitely a big part of it but like it's definitely a post-covid movie too but Brett, yeah
1: not to again compare it to comedy but okay yes
0: you please do because it's all for example
1: a dave chappelle to me is an example of a bad last dance Okay. Yeah. Because what literally happened with him is Netflix said, we'll give you $40 million or however much it was to Mm -hmm. make three specials for us. Of course, I guess, to some people, he's like, I can't say no to that money. I'm going to do it, even though I don't have the material. I haven't ran it. I haven't, like, you you know, really been pulling my crap. First
0: act Maxandra. Remember that joke throughout the movie, how they keep saying first act Maxandra? Yeah. She always starts things and doesn't know how to finish them. That is what you just, that just, you reminded me of that.
1: Exactly. So there, it totally is critiquing the idea that um, you have to produce something because the money is being offered to you. Yeah. But it is showing you that there is a way to do it. There's a way to do it
0: where you still hit your artist. You get everything you need out of it. Which
1: is then putting on your producer hat. (laughs) Yeah. And Mike does not It's so
0: important how reluctant Mike is to dance throughout this whole movie. First of all, where we should start is... The opening his scene. job,
1: yes, what well, sure. job he was doing at the first. I want you
0: to talk about that in a second, but I'm gonna okay. skip that actual opening scene where he's a bartender, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about what that means, all that stuff, and what happened to his business in COVID. But like the actual scene, the scene mm-hmm. with him and Salma Hayek doing the lap dance in her house. When I can't tell you how Hot. giddy I got. Of course. Oh the hottest God. the hottest scene I've ever seen in a movie, the ever. sexiest scene I've ever seen in a movie ever. And people's clothes are fully on. It nobody gets naked. Oh nobody my God. gets naked the entire movie. And mm-hmm. it's just still it's still incredible that, that works. But God, I, I lost my train of thought because I was so excited. No, you were about talking about game. the
1: strip scene, the first scene in three. Yeah, it's just
0: the the hottest, sexiest scene I've ever seen, and I got so giddy when like you can you realize he's about to do it. Like she offers him what six thousand dollars to do it or something, and he starts like moving shit around. He like moves the table. And let's
1: clarify where it's also. I think the moment where the comparison or the equation of exotic dancers with all types of sex workers is Mm -hmm. most clear because Mm -hmm. she is approaching him. Because she heard he's a great dancer.
0: But yes. the way
1: that she says it is like she's offering him money for sex. Yes. So then he's like a little bit like, wait, are you just like assuming that you can buy me because I'm the bartender? So yeah. there is, again, this tension of like, yes, oh, is it just because I'm sexy? Or like, what do you think that I can be bought? And then he learns that it's because, no, she actually was told by a friend who recognized him. Yeah. That he could make her really happy, and like it's literally meant not in a fucking perverted way, yeah. <laughs> just it's like it's truly a,
0: about like this is a, this woman needs to feel empowered, yeah, and exactly. he's able to do that. And like, mm-hmm. may, some people may laugh and think it's so corny and inherently misogynistic or yeah. something to be like, this woman's joy is dependent on this man grinding on her. But like, give yourself no, up to this man. movie and what Shut it's saying and shit. Up. Yeah, <laughs> like you know that, that scene. scene
1: I, I'm gonna go back I, to. I would leave my second.
0: house. After we record this to go watch this movie again. if Oh, the timing I love is it. Right. Like, I, I love fucking, it so much. <laughs> I now put
1: it on in the background while I'm doing other things. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to go back to two for a second because I forgot yeah. to tell you about Andy McDowell. I know that oh, you yeah. know why she's wonderful, but it is yeah. important because especially if people want to be mad about how the first one was like a male centric story. Yes. In the second one, Andy McDowell plays uh, the role of like one of the stops on the road. Right? Like the, and, yeah, like a mother yeah. of one and of the girls the mom, that they
0: party with. Yeah. yeah,
1: of a girl that they party with along the way after they do a drag show in t- in like the panhandle of Florida or whatever the fuck.
0: Is she Amber Heard's mom or is she yeah. someone else's mom? Okay. Uh, she remember. is Amber
1: Heard's mom. It's hard okay. to tell. I don't remember. I I, yeah, remember. no, she is Amber Heard's mom. Um, and it's funny oh because oh my god i forgot about amber heard's character i know very well, that whole important c-
0: that whole scene where he she gets on he pulls her on stage and does the fucking really intense well, strip dance with her it's so delightful yeah it's it, so good.
1: and she genuinely is laughing and smiling like you can tell that is
0: genuine joy. reaction yeah you can 100 exactly. percent tell like they're like channing go do your fucking dance yeah. on yeah and she's and like she's okay like,
1: oh my god. <laughs> yeah exactly
0: pure like joy and terror and like everything that you'd actually feel in that situation totally but then
1: her uh and which is funny as like a professional performer to see her sort. it's sort of like i think why people like it when performers lose their shit on snl because they're supposed to be able to to resist this yeah but they can't and then we see amber just like losing her shit basically just being like oh my god (laughs) yeah there's no other
0: way to react to that like i feel like you it would be unnatural to react any other way yeah
1: but we have to talk about her character in two also yes we got to go back because so amber heard plays a young woman photographer who they meet somewhere in the florida panhandle or whatever or like at the bottom of georgia i don't know he's
0: peeing in the woods or whatever he's peeing on a beach beach. yeah Yeah.
1: after they do a drag show and they're hanging out with a bunch of drag queens and like random people who were at the drag show and she sees him peeing, so she takes a picture of it, like not of his private parts, it's from behind. Yeah. And <laughs> it's not perverted. It's all nice. guys. Yeah, it's like sweet. Yeah, it's, it's, fine. it's sweet. And so they meet, they have a little bit of chat exchange. And then it turns out that one of the other guys got the number of Amber's sister. That's what happened. So yeah. he, the, uh the guy is the Latino one, I forgot his name, but he got the fucking number from Amber's sister. Yeah. And so he at one point when they're at Jada's, I think he says like, Oh, we can go to this next stop. Uh, This lady told us that we could stay at her house, whatever. So when they get there, instead of finding immediately the young sisters, the person who opens the door is Andy McDowell, who is yes. their mom. And she is having a get-together with, like, three or four other ladies, middle-aged ladies. You
0: know, the target audience for this movie. Exactly. About and those type of people. Yeah, of that they're age. having their
1: white wine and such. Yep. <laughs> and yes. they're chatting it up, talking shit about their husbands, making fun yes. of the one that's still married. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, recommending divorce, all this stuff. But... They do have a very frank conversation with the guys where they talk about things like one of them who's still married talks about oh, the fact that her husband never off. has lights. Yeah, sex with the lights on with her. And mm-hmm. then she's tried to hint at it that she's mentioned and he, you know, so then she like has a conversation with Ken where he literally just like sings a song to her and makes her seem be, be seen and beautiful and It's like, it's not even sexual, people. It's like, oh my God, literally like listening and like caring about your feelings. It's beautiful. Andy McDowell's character tells us that she had only ever been with her husband, ex-husband now, father of her two kids. And by the end of that interaction, uh, she ends up sleeping with Big Dick Richie, which is a a big important deal. (laughs) Yes. Yes, because earlier in the movie, we learned that Richie rarely has sex even though he's so sexy and dances so good because his dick is so big that the ladies get scared and they're like, no, how about a handjob? <laughs> like a blowjob. Yeah, job. No
0: one wants to endure yeah, her. There's you know.
1: no, so he's, he needs the perfect slipper. And then it turns out that this like mom <laughs> who had never had sex with anyone, but the father of her children yeah. was like a perfect slipper. And they have the sexiest, loveliest little romance that we only like get a little peek into, you know yes. what I mean?
0: Just a glance.
1: Yeah. And so uh all this to say, I guess, that throughout all of the movies, the idea of being well matched in love and finding someone who compliments you and who appreciates you for Perfect who you are and for what the you are. One. Yes. Thank you. Yes is real and is important and mike is not stupid for wanting it with the ladies that he connects with it's unfair and shitty that they don't see him as a potential real partner and i love how
0: realistic it's been through the set first two that like it's not like mike gets the girl at the end no exactly complicated but and i appreciate that spoiler alert in three they give him the fucking girl finally And, and i think a lot of people are like rejecting that idea like they're like i don't think magic mike should have a happy ending he should be this neutral figure. I'm like, you no. You
1: fucking hate sex workers. You, if you say yeah. That. Let my. You want Mike them to exist his... as magic little fairies in your head that don't have yes. real lives. Yes. And don't it's deserve beautiful. real. Yeah. That's
0: why people are rejecting this movie. Yeah. I think we just figured it out. I think totally. we just clued into why people are like, eh, I don't want that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so like the, earnest. The people like are that, like, I can't handle that.
1: The reason they tell like K-pop stars like you got to hide your relationship because you got to seem always available. You know, like. It's not just in K-pop. It's in a lot of entertainment. Yes. is that. because part of it is the idea that fans will like you if you seem attainable. And I think that that's the judgment people have with sex workers. Is that A, you are not good enough to be the partner. And B, I don't ever want to know if you actually get a partner because you're supposed to be constantly available and, and, and attainable for me. And what we get in three... Is so beautifully complex <laughs> because it is uh two people who complement each other perfectly, finding each other. So she is not just like an empty 23-year-old little baby who like happens to be okay with him being a stripper, <laughs> you know? Right. She's a fully realized, uh empowered woman, literally a billionaire or some shit. Uh And she is sexually attracted to him and then also falls in love with who he is as an artist and respects his point of view as an artist. The
0: entire plot of the movie is she wants to give the joy that he brought to her. To other people. Six thousand dollar lap dance. The whole plot of the movie is I want to make that feeling happen for other people, which is why I texted you. Louisa, you're going to love this movie. It's about producing. Because yes. that's why we do it. That's the totally. only reason we do it. We put on comedy shows so we can have 100 people in a basement room and bar in New York laughing, laughing their asses off. Yes. And it's so fucking satisfying. Absolutely. And watching this movie where Salma Hayek and Magic Mike <laughs> – I don't know why I said it that like that. Not his <laughs> name. Um, watching a movie where they put on a show and, like, I think it's powerful that this movie – People are mad at it because it doesn't have as many musical numbers or the sexy yeah. stuff that the other one has besides that first number and then the big, the big last one. Mm-hmm. But I love that it earns that big fucking climactic totally. incredible moment. That's the best moment in the entire trilogy. And it makes you feel... It cuts to the audience constantly because that's yeah. what the movie's about. It's about the audience. It's about the experience. And, it's a, and we can talk about the parsing of it as like... Yeah. A, it's about literally the theatrical experience and how important it is and how it shouldn't be on streaming. Well, you can talk about that, but like, it's really just purely about art writ large and that transformative communal power it holds. And specifically about the joys inherent in allowing and bringing it to other people, I just like I, yeah. I can't make it any more simple than that, and that's what it is. And it spoke to me so deeply; I was blown away, and I'm I'm still mad that people I are saying it. it's not good. Yeah, I
1: love it. I'm so thankful that you told me about it, and I love you even more knowing this about you now. Yeah. But I I want to not but but and I want to add the um you know you've seen my tweets and such. I often make fun of trads, right? Yes. And so I do kind of want to point out that these three movies are also, they also have a sub narrative that is critical of traditional people. Yes. Because from the very beginning, what we see with Mike is that he wants to be a traditional guy. Yes. He wants to have the company, be a small business owner, marry the lady that's beautiful and loves him for who he is, have a house, probably have the kids, have the dog, the whole thing. And he keeps running up against this wall where everyone judges him as not being good enough for that traditional role, right? Mm-hmm. And then what I loved about 3 is that it does not give him the girl in the sense of like, yay, now here's the new beautiful, whatever, 23-year-old, and he's going to get married and have children and it buy a It gives him a
0: reason to do the fucking art again.
1: Exactly. So yeah. here's what I say, right? Because I know so many artists that – find themselves at some point feeling like they have to choose between their art and the person that they love because the person that they, that they love wants to have children, wants to buy a house, wants to move to Wisconsin, wants to like, whatever. So they feel like I got to choose between this or that. And I just feel like this movie, the point, one of the points of this trilogy, but specifically of the third one is that that traditional form of love and partnership is not the only thing available to you. Yes. It is possible for you to find a partner who values you for those creative ideas for that non-traditional way yeah, It doesn't way have of to be an either yeah. or.
0: You can find the person who supports literally is the, not, not yeah. just supports you in your art is the fucking spark and reason for the art. I think exactly. that's so important too, because the movie is so clear that, Thomas Hayek's like dance dance do the yeah. show dance for me do the and show he and he's like no reignited I don't want to. by her yeah he gets reignited by her and the way that he fucking restages that 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 conversation he had that made him realize that he would have how to put on the, the third act yeah. and like the way that it's rendered and the way I just like I'm b- blown away by this movie it's I just, beautiful. Uh, uh,
1: and for the feminists, right, who have yeah. been mad at me about the fact that I've been making a lot of episodes about how I love boys and boy stuff, <laughs> but uh, very literally, quite plainly, the third movie ends with a, the, one of the simplest allegories, I think, which is that uh, the that very classic Victorian theater had been putting on a play, I forget the title, but it's like a Victorian era yeah. play about how the main character, who's a woman, has to choose between two men who want her affection, either yes. the rich man who is cold and heartless and like not the classic really lover.
0: We're putting on a show that has the themes of the movie in it.
1: In exactly. It. Yes. And then or he or she has to choose the poor artist who can't yes. really give her a fancy life, but loves her for, for who she really is and see, can bring joy in her life. And at one point, like Salma Hayek talking to Magic Mike says to him, like, doesn't that seem like false to you? Those are not the only two choices a woman has. Yes. Yes. And so then he realizes, he's like, no, what we have to put on is show that women have a lot more choices than just these two duds. <laughs> you know, like let's yes. fucking put on all these other different types of artists that love them, what they bring to them, what different, and like make the play about a woman's conflict in which direction to look for love in. Yes. Which is like basically ending with giving women an open horizon of choice.
0: Yes, nothing a movie's ever done before, never. as far as I can tell. Like yeah, I've never, exactly. I've never seen that in a movie before.
1: Exactly. So top feminist, <laughs> especially award. like a male
0: directed <laughs> and starring. Yes, yeah.
1: exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I fucking loved it. So, so I, yeah, I, get, I
0: get why people are like, you know, it's not the pure ecstasy that the second movie is, but. It's such an incredible self-aware, let's-put-on-a-show movie about the process of creating art. Yeah. And, of course, the power it holds and the joy of bringing it to the masses. But the process of creating it, you know, there's so many movies about this type of thing. And I love that, like, we get a Magic Mike movie that's about this type of thing. Like People are making fun of the movie for being so, like like why is there a child narrator and a butler and i'm like it's all like tropey stuff it's like doing tropes in like a it's just it's just sending i don't even think it's sending up the tropes i think it's earnestly like i want to do like an old-fashioned rom-com but like a really old-fashioned one that has a british butler in it like (laughs) and, and i really appreciate that he did that shit and i i agree i thought this movie was the more i talk about it, the more i'm like is this my favorite one i just think mm-hmm. it's, it's such a perfect culmination of why i love these movies like we've talked about how they're all about the art scene and community and this one just like literalizes the subtext which has always been there and just makes it the text basically Absolutely, yeah. and i wrote down the quote when it happened and i've thought about it ever since there's someone says i forget who says it someone says you can't tell people anything. They have to have an experience. Yeah.
1: And like I love that
0: so much. I'm like that is what the fucking movie's about too. Like putting on that fucking show. <laughs> totally. That has it's just like this movie's saying like art has the power to impact your life in all these huge ways and like you should let it. I, I just find them so Absolutely.
1: so moving. And the fact that um having such lofty, I think, ideals and messages, but communicating it to us in something that I guess some people would consider a low art form, like pop art art form at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is fucking beautiful because it, there, it doesn't always have to be an A24. You have to have read Shakespeare fucking to get it, (laughs) to get these like deep messages about your art and your relationships and capitalism. I think it's beautiful to give it to people through, uh, popular music, through sexy dances, through handsome men, <laughs> through like uh all, it, it just proves that art, even if you consider it to be lowbrow, can and does have value.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I kind of want to just read you my buddy Sunny Bunch's like little blurb about what is the Go HBO for. Max stuff and like the theatrical. It's just so interesting. He said, you know, his half theory for what Soderbergh's doing. He said. Um, so one of my issues with this movie is that Mike himself seems largely disinterested in the actual production. I mean, he's happy to do it. It's work, but it's also not what he wants to be doing, which is to make furniture the thing he keeps trying to do and failing at. But he's good at this. The real driving force of this thing is actually Max Salma Hayek. Who wants him to put on a big show in a classy venue that will simultaneously help people feel what she felt and also stick it to the previous owner, who is her ex. Mike eventually gets into it, but this is Max's show, and she herself isn't really doing it for the right reasons. It's worth noting that Max has a ridiculous name like Maxandra or something, (laughs) uh, which is shortened to Max. It's also worth noting that this movie was intended to debut on HBO Max, my understanding From industry reporting is that WB came to Soderbergh and said, what if we gave you $40 million to make Magic Mike 3 for HBO Max? Would you do it? And he said, sure. And that is kind of what this whole movie feels like. Soderbergh as Magic Mike going through the motions until near the end. He comes up with what is easily the best dance scene in the movie and probably the whole series, the big watery set piece. He tells the whole story of Max and Mike's courtship through the magic of dance, which relates to the voiceover narration, which we haven't talked about really, Uh, the the movie long argument about the centrality of dance to human connection and communication. Plus you have COVID destroying Mike's furniture business, which makes no sense as it relates to the custom furniture business, one of the sectors that thrived in COVID, whatever. (laughs) But it makes a lot of sense if we were to think of Mike as a director trying to figure out what to do in the face of theatrical exhibition collapsing, bringing an old thing to a new venue, the idea that this new thing would degrade the new venue, the way some people think that Warner Brothers is doing to HBO, what they're doing is degrading it. And I don't know. I don't think it's a huge stretch to say this entire project is a metaphor for the film industry circa 2021. I fucking love that. I think like he okay. really made me I see do a lot. Think, I do yeah. think
1: he's right in a lot of ways, but I mm-hmm. have counterpoints for some of his Please. points, right? Which are like, okay, to start with, I do think that... Um, his business going under because of COVID is completely plausible Yeah, because where we started at two was not a su- successful business. No, We started no. at, you have one employee without health insurance.
0: Yeah. So you're right. So like the, and yeah, the implication imagine, that it's successful was kind of fake, right?
1: Exactly. Successful, like establishing a business is not having a su- successful business. Yeah. And it's then, tough. We yeah. have also... Well, businesses you
0: know, suffered big in COVID.
1: Totally. And it's right. like, uh, remember, luxury goods did yeah. not was not yeah. something people were buying, which is what custom furniture yeah. falls good under. Yeah, good point. You're right. You're right. If his guy can't come to work because we don't have PPP <laughs> on the yeah. buck, then we're yeah. not producing shit. Like, it absolutely makes sense that it yeah, would I be agree one with of you. the businesses that would fall through. Um, But more importantly, that was just a little nitpicky thing. More importantly... I think that your friend is missing one important aspect, which I think is the fact that three is like super, super meta. Yes. Not just in the sense of being about the industry, Yeah, but about being about the meta narrative of all three, which is... Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're good at versus what you want to do.
0: Yes. Yes. That's another part where I was reading it. I'm like, I don't agree with you. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because
1: yeah. You, you're right. We see Sonnenberg doing something that maybe he's doing because he was told make some money. hundred percent. He's this. doing it
0: because HBO Gates said, yeah, give you this money. To so bring.
1: he yeah. is Mike magic Mike. Right. And so he found
0: situation. a reason to tell the movie. And his reason was, well, Channing put on this amazing show and I'm going to, it made me, it re, it reinvigorated his, directorial instincts like I want to direct again I want to put on a show because he did like well, he used it as an inspiration even more I feel basic
1: like. than that yeah. even more basic than that like what, what happens to Magic Mike in 3 is he does so in 2 he already got it out of his system I already like did I had a great time with my last performance and yeah
0: again, and weirdly I just want to mention yeah. Soderbergh strangely did not technically direct the second one, mm. but he did shoot it. He was the cinematographer and I think he edited it as well. So uh, for all intents and purposes, people still call it a Steven Soderbergh movie. Yeah. And weirdly he has like a fake, he uses a fake name when he is a, his own cinematographer. It's like Peter Andrews or something. Yeah. But if you see that, that's that's actually Steven Soderbergh who oh, shot wow. it. But he didn't direct it. It's his buddy Greg Jacobs directed yeah. it. But he for all intents and purposes, it's a Soderbergh movie through and through, I think.
1: Well, but either way, the, uh, and I would even say that this point is more for one and three. Yeah. Oh, reconnected. Okay. We're good. Uh, more for one and three because so what we end up at. So at the beginning, what Mike wants to do is make furniture bread, but let's be honest. Yeah. It's not good furniture. You no. remember that, right? Like it's yeah. not good furniture. It's fucking coffee tables made out of engine parts. That's like swept up in a hurricane right. on the beach. It's, like, bro shit that I don't think many people would buy. (laughs) So, like, he is actually not even half as good at making furniture as he is at dancing, right? So, then, two, he has the realization of, like, even if I succeed, well, not even, let's not even go there. He just has the realization that he enjoys the dancing part. So then, in the third and what one, what it does for
0: him and others, yes. and others
1: exactly. And then in the third one, what we find is it's post-COVID. His furniture business failed, so he is now working like catering bartender. So he's a bartender at this private party, which happens to be at Salma Hayek's mansion. Right? And She does not play herself; she plays some other rich lady. Alexandra, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and so she, like we said, ends up like not hitting on him, but offering him money to do his magic, <laughs> right? and he reluctantly reluctantly does it but then she has such a great experience that she convinces him so she in this case is netflix right being like here's all the money so i think your friend is correct right yeah but what he discovers i agree that he like at first is not enjoying this he's doing it for the money he's being asked to return to a place he didn't Feel like he was in anymore. Yeah, again,
0: we kept saying it's so important that he doesn't want to dance, and she keeps. Yeah,
1: exactly. But then he discovers a new joy in like teaching this actress, or like giving this actress a platform to be more than what that single dimension role she was. He's become the Dallas
0: figure, but he's not exactly.
1: Yes, so it comes back around, but now he's also he's not compromising. He yes he initially did this because someone else wanted him to but he is discovering every day the the fact that he can find joy in giving someone else direction and helping them be a better artist in bringing people still positive experiences through someone else's body and performance you know what I mean producing producing yes and so I just balk at the idea that it is just like a negative
0: yes uh, I agree with cr- you
1: critique of this because he still found joy you know what I mean yeah Which I want to I make clear say, that Sonny Sonny Sottenberg, didn't like the movie so yeah I and I want to yeah. say Soderbergh probably also is saying he found joy making this fucking <laughs> stupid stripper big movie. time, big
0: time <laughs> yeah big time that's what it is mm-hmm. so like they, Sonny was on to something but I, I do think he those two things I agree with you on
1: yeah yeah exactly well all that to say I got to tell you probably the best movie recommendation of my life um, I love
0: it. And if, I wish I, I, might, I probably still have the text, but it was a very yeah. specific. Like, type of recommendation. I wasn't just like, watch these stripper movies. No,
1: no, you gave me like a bunch of reasons, and I was like, truly shocked. I was like, Brett, wow, I didn't think you would like this. I can't believe that you would like, think I would like this. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I, was, like, I found
0: it. I said, yeah. loop back with me after you've seen it, because I sent you that tweet I said about yeah. Magic Mike is about how gratifying it is to be a producer. And I said, entire trilogy about art and a sense of community, among so many other things. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, there are two different, you know, to be clear though, they deliver as like man meets cinema two, the strip sequences are (laughs) thrilling, like a great movie musical and visually intriguing and stuff. The second one may be the most joyful movie ever made. It's about pursuing art that makes you happy. (sighs) Uh, I am delighted for you to see them, blah, blah, blah. And then you said, I'll watch this week and come back with thoughts. And I, right before, and then I said, all three are literally about female desire and empowerment, which sounds so funny, but I promise by the end of two, you'll be like, this is the most feminist text ever. And then my next text (laughs) from you, Brett. I love magic. Mike, Two is the best so far. I'm going to go see the new one. Let's podcast about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It. I literally, I've become a Magic mic evangelist. Yes, uh, I literally never liked Channing Tatum before. Like, it's not that I disliked him, but I just I love was like whatever. Because He's of these like,
0: movies, yeah.
1: Now I'm like, I will go see anything. I
0: respect the Channing fuck out of Tatum this guy. Like, <laughs> if I could interview <laughs> yeah. one person, and I don't like doing interviews for yeah. celebrities, I've done plenty on my podcast, and I never really like doing them. He seems like a I would love soul. to talk to him, and I yeah. think if we talk to him at this level about this movie, he yeah. would talk to us for like four hours. I think I he bet. would love it. I
1: think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. I think, I think he's, he's a really deep cool. Feeling yeah. soul in a <laughs> <do>. beefcake body.
0: Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I love this man. I love these movies. I I'm so glad me. you. thank you for coming. Girl. Yeah. I
1: appreciate thank you for it having so me. much. Yeah, I'll this definitely reach out again. Definitely, if you ever have another rec like this, you got to reach out. Um, well,
0: oh God, I was thinking. Have you ever seen? I got a perfect recommendation re- to watch after this. Uh, have you seen Support the Girls? No beautiful you'll love it it's it's the same same shit economic anxiety it's uh andrew budjalski directed he's like a mumblecore dude a lot of very indie movies he makes support the girls has regina hall and a bunch of other actresses you would you would know yeah and it's just about working like a a a shift at a restaurant and what that's like and how and how their bosses are oppressive and how they need to unionize and shit it's so fucking good. You're going to text me afterwards telling me how much you loved it. And You're I'll my come new back and talk about it. You and, also yeah. hit,
1: well, you know, and also, if you ever get those plus ones on those uh, screenings, oh, for sure. hit me for up. Sure. I mean, I for know sure. you have a lady, but sometimes she's got to She be doesn't busy. come. She, oh, doesn't, she go doesn't go to come? anything. She
0: doesn't really care. Yeah. No.
1: I'm just going to bump all your friends. People, I'm more important. <laughs> That's give me, fine. Give me one Brett night a month.
0: <laughs> That's fine by me. I want you to, I'm, I'm trying to find out where support the girls is right now. I'll find it. It.
1: Don't worry. Uh, Is there anything that you want to plug? Do you want to repeat the stuff from the top?
0: Yes. Roger and Me Me is the podcast. It's a play on the Michael Moore documentary, Roger and Me. The play is it's Roger Ebert and Me. And the podcast started as me doing the Siskel and Ebert show every Friday like we do now. But also at the the start, I was also rewatching old roger ebert episodes and like re-critiquing the movies from a modern perspective
1: <laughs> that's funny. it was fun
0: but it was like really too much work so i yeah. stopped doing that um so definitely watch or listen to roger and me every week every friday there's no movie review shows anymore that are exhaustive that are like hey what's out this week tell me yeah and we do that so we do that every week and then every monday I do the New Flesh podcast, which is a horror movie podcast about new release horror movies. We talk about old horror movies, but we also talk about industry and horror news and all the new stuff that's coming out. So we're talking about you know Scream 6 in a couple weeks, and Big we fan. talked about a couple indie horrors this week called Swallowed, which was really bad, and Husera, which was really good, um, and I would recommend to you. I'll, I'll tell you about it. off like, okay. but um, Support the Girls is on HBO Max, and I am excited awesome. for you to watch it.
1: Yeah. I love it. Um, also, follow Brett at what your oh yeah at Brett Arnold
0: uh, at Brett Redacted on Twitter. Brett
1: Redacted. Pretend you don't That's know right. his last name. When yeah, you, you didn't just hear that. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be on the description, but you. Know. I know it's totally fine. Yeah. It's like a fake Redacted. <laughs> Brett Redacted underscore. Yeah. No, just straight Brett Redacted. Okay, Brett Redacted. Yeah. Follow him. He also has uh, movie tweets all the time. Funny tweets. Good stuff. Ooh, good you, retweets. Uh, so I recommend that you follow him. I have nothing, the usual, Luisa Diaz nuts and all the stuff. And um, check out my Twitter, I guess, if you want to hear about shows in New York City. Uh, next week, I do have on, oh, you're not going to hear this in time, but maybe you'll hear this in time. Uh, Jake is going to be on Windbreaker, uh, hosted by Claire Kane and Emily Panic at Union Pool on Sunday the 26th. It's 10 bucks. There, They have a taco truck in the back. It's a fun hang. Hell yeah. Great show. Uh, right hit me up if you want to go on the list you know how it go. yeah you, know it goes. you produced that show yeah, well, I just oh, booked
0: it. Oh, okay, great.
1: Yeah, I made a deal to just book and not produce. Huh? Beautifully Fancy? done. Well handled. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love
0: Claire. I love Emily. I haven't yeah. seen either of them in a long time. I, a I should really go. It's a
1: really fun show. <laughs> it's going to be, uh, Jake, a bunch of good people also on the show. Um, yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm
0: actually putting somewhere. it in my phone because I truly haven't gone to a show in forever. I haven't hung out, and that sounds really nice. So. Get
1: back out here. I'm that way back... I can start throwing That's shows my... your way and being like, yeah, Brett would do I it. I need my <laughs> magic mic arc. yes exactly alright for everyone else uh, sign up for the Patreon for early episodes and if not it's cool we are making free episodes all the time we love you bye are you mad are you mad